0: here hope you got your Bible open as we study an incredible story here in fact the the headline today is is sort of surprising Jewish rabbi rude to local woman is you read this story if you're reading the tire times you might have seen that headline Jewish rabbi is rude to a local woman now I don't think the newspaper really got it right But at first reading, you think you got it right on. Now, we're a little bit used to newspapers getting it wrong, aren't you? Uh, Jay Leno's made a whole career out of headlines that newspapers sort of mess up. Let let me show you some of those headlines. Look at this one, Mississippi's uh, literacy program shows improvement. Are you looking close enough to catch that? Okay, some of us didn't even catch that. Here was the headline in the Paris newspaper. French BO up nine percent. They were trying to talk about box office sales. ended up that way. I like this one: Please begin campaign to run down Jaywalkers. And then how about this one? Just a little wording: Two sisters reunited after 18 years in the checkout line. You may have felt that last time you went to Walmart. And I like this one, man struck by lightning faces battery charges. That's about as good as when I first went into ministry and was making announcements and I said, the church wants to express their sympathy to the Wilson family. They had an uncle that was electrocuted in a terrible accident in Texas today. And then here was my next word, words. We know it was a shocking experience for the entire family, all right? We don't always get it right, but is this right that the Jewish rabbi is rude to a local woman? It seems to be absolutely true because Jesus, listen to me, and we go into this story, Jesus calls her a dog. Now, now you know, even in our day to call someone a dog is not a compliment, but understand this, in Jesus' day it was a whole lot worse. I mean, today we at least like dogs. In Jesus' day, they were just wild, ravaging, dirty animals. I mean, you, you in, in Jewish terms, a dog and a pig were on the same level, you know. We, we've come to love our dogs, right? I had a young married man tell me not too long ago, he said, you know, his wife was expecting, and he told me, I hope I can love this child as much as I love my dog. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I, I hate to break it to some of you. Please just don't get offended by me, but your dog is not a person. All right. Some of you believe that. In fact, how many of you like dogs better than cats? Anybody in here like cats? Man, that surprises me, okay. I want you to watch this little video clip about the difference in dogs and cats. All right, watch what the dogs can do, taking care of his friend, and watch what the cats can do. If you could run that for me. Okay, here's the dog. Can you see it? Trying to get down the steps. A little scared. And now coming along to help him down. There's the dog. That's the way a dog acts. Now watch the cat. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, cat lovers, but um, when Jesus, here's my point. When Jesus calls this woman a dog, it is no compliment. I mean, can, can you imagine approaching Jesus and he says, you're just a dog. Go with me to that passage. Mark chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. Now, now listen, Jesus is traveling a long way from Galilee. The truth squad that's been following Jesus around from Jerusalem has become the death squad. And so Jesus is getting away from there. And as he gets away from there, he travels quite a distance, 50 miles from Galilee to Tyre. The whole trip we're talking about here may have taken six to eight months. He's trying to get away from his critics. He's trying to take his disciples out, get a break, teach them. But look what happens. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it yet he could not keep his presence secret never could could he we remember back in mark chapter three when jesus is doing mighty miracles there were some people from tyre who'd come all that way to see jesus so word is spread in fact as soon as she heard about him A woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in uh, Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. So this woman comes. Now, this woman's got a lot going against her. First of all, in this culture, she's a woman approaching a rabbi. Second, she's a Gentile we know from matthew's account she's worse than just a gentile she's a canaanite a group of people god said should be wiped off the face of the earth and on top of that she's in a roman province that's why the name there and on top of that she's unclean because her demon-possessed daughter If you read Matthew's account of this, the disciples urge Jesus to tell her to go away. Everyone's embarrassed that Jesus is talking to this woman. And then listen to what he says. She's asked for her daughter to be healed. He says, verse 27, first, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. You catch that? He's called her a dog. What's he describing? He's describing a table. Listen, in, in Jesus' day, they didn't have knives and forks and napkins. In, in fact, when you wanted to clean your hands, you just took a bread piece of bread and used the bread, then you tossed to the it aside. And, and the little scavenger dogs could run up and, and they could take it. But this woman, look at verse 26. I mean, the rest of verse twenty, verse twenty-eight. What does she do? Lord, she replied, "Even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs." She's not turning away. I mean, I think I think I'd have been offended if Jesus says, "You know what, you know." You're just like a dog seeking the crumbs. I mean, in Matthew's edition, Jesus says, The gospel is meant for the Jews first, then the Gentiles. What's Jesus trying to say here, guys? He's not really trying to be rude, I don't think. He's just trying to say, The timing is not right. I've been sent to the Jews, I've come over here to Gentile territory to get a break and to teach my disciples, and the timing is just not right. And the woman says, I do not care about your timing. I don't care about this little cute little parable you've just told. You're not going to throw me off by this analogy, Jesus, because, you know, the children do eat first. I'm okay with that. I know I don't really belong at this table. But is it not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs? I mean, you call me a dog, I'm even okay with that. You're not getting by with this that easily, Jesus. I know the children are fed first, but can you give me a few scraps from the table? That's all I'm asking for. I love my daughter, that's what I know. Well, she comes back at Jesus. And let me tell you something. Jesus loved it. Uh, the, the next verse verse 29 then he told her for such a reply some translations say there that is a wonderful incredible answer jesus is excited he says the demon has left your daughter she went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone listen jesus loved the back and forth what's going on here is jesus really being rude i'm not sure jesus is being rude a lot in this story would have to do with Jesus' facial expression and his voice tone. And, and I honestly believe when Jesus says, you know, the children get the bread first, not even the dogs. I, 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 my, my belief reading this is there's sort of a smile on Jesus' face. There's a little bit of sarcasm. You know, sarcasm is a spiritual group, gift, don't you? I mean, Jesus Jesus is, um, Jesus is sort of being playful with this woman. At worst, I think what Jesus is doing here is he's wanting her faith to grow. He's wanting her to to, to work through even him putting this little little bit mm, offensive parable in front of her. Jesus is wanting her to work through it and display real faith. And she does. And Jesus is so exciting. In fact, Jesus says, I'm glad somebody can finally come back at me and get it. In fact, if you read the Gospel of Mark, this is the first person to really understand any of Jesus' parables. And when you read the Gospels, I mean, Jesus says to this woman, she's had great faith. The word in Matthew is, she has mega faith. She's displayed faith. You recognize this? The two times in the Gospels, Jesus was blown away by someone's faith. They were both outsider Gentiles that Roman centurion and this Canaanite woman. Now listen to me today. The person who may blow God away in this assembly today may not be the religious insider. It may be the one of you who showed up here who really doesn't know so much about the scriptures, maybe some other folks, but you've learned about Jesus and you get him. and and you're willing to follow him some of us insiders we've been doing this so long we've got rather lackadaisical and dull and lukewarm about it and sometimes when you get it my goodness you get it and this woman got it let's write down some notes here she understands the gospel what does she understand you're more wicked than you ever believed now here's what shocked us about this woman. She just lays down in front of Jesus and says, Okay, call me a dog. Call me whatever you want to call. I know I'm unworthy. I know I don't have a place at the table. I'm comfortable with that. That's so different than us. We, we think we're owed something. We'd be offended by that. We would have probably said back to Jesus, I dare you call me a dog. We defend our rights. We Even when we come to God, sometimes we come to God on the basis thinking, "Well, Lord, you know, I'm a pretty good guy. I know I need your forgiveness, but if you'd just forgive me and make me a Christian, I'm a good guy, I'll be a better guy. I mean, we're a culture full of entitlement. We think we're entitled to everything. We deserve everything. And even when it comes to spiritual matters, it throws us off because we don't humbly approach God like this woman. We list all of our good things and how many times we've been to church and how many times we did a good deed and we think, well, I'm I'm pretty... This woman, she understands she's not debating it, she's not arguing it, she's a lot more wicked than she ever dreamed she was. She was. But what she also discovers is the other part of the gospel, which is God's more loving than you ever dared hope. Yes, we're more wicked than we thought we were, but God's more loving than we thought he was that's the gospel my friend some of us the reason the gospel is not as vivid and as exciting it is motivating to us as it ought to be is because we have never come to grips with our wickedness and if you never come to grips with your wickedness you will never come to grips with how wonderful god is this woman does and jesus loves it and here's the last point here saving faith is humble and relentless there's a barrier here, even a barrier put up, it seems, by Jesus, and she has so much faith, she's like, I- I'm not slowing down, Jesus. I want my daughter healed. I believe you can do something. I know I don't deserve to be here. That's not even a question whether I deserve to be here or not. I know that. But, but Jesus, I trust you. I know you've got the power i'm gonna humble myself before you and i'm gonna relentlessly the, the word there is that she kept on begging she didn't ask once she didn't ask twice she asked five times she kept on begging jesus Guys, and that's the kind of faith that god's looking for today That just won't give up because we give up so easily you know we start following Jesus and we go to church and they don't do something we like. Or we go to church, you know, and the preacher makes a terrible mistake or the elders make a decision we don't like. Or we look across the church building and we see someone that we consider to be a hypocrite, you know. It, or, I mean, we, we, it takes the flimsiest excuses to run us away from God. Or God allows something bad to happen in our life that we don't think should have happened. Or something bad to happen to someone we love we shouldn't think. And we just just easily give up. That's what I love about this woman. She's humble. She knows she doesn't deserve it. And she is absolutely relentless to follow Jesus. Jesus, if all you can give me is the crumbs from the table that the dogs eat, I am perfectly willing to take it. Now listen, guys she represents us that that's where we are and if you've not faced that then you've never truly understood the gospel so just a moment we're about to go the lord's supper table here in the middle of our message and and as you approach the lord's table today i I want you to approach it as this woman here's a beautiful prayer found in the book of common prayer by a man named thomas cranmer listen to this prayer we do not presume to come to your table merciful Lord trusting in our own righteousness but in your manifold and great mercies we are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under the table but you are the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy that's the way we approach God. Not worthy, but accepting. Reminds me of a cool old story in the Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 9. David has become king. Saul has been cast out finally. You know, in ancient days when you became king, you destroyed everybody around you who was kin to the previous king because you didn't want them to have an heir to the throne. And so David becomes king and he begins to ask around, are there any relatives of Saul still around? And they found this one little boy, Mephibosheth. He was a crippled and he was brought to King David and he scared to death. And when they bring him to King David, he uses the same words. He says, even worse, he says, what do you want with me? I am a dead dog. And then King David graciously said to him, Mephibosheth, you will eat at my table every day. You will eat at the king's table I invite you to the king's table. And my friends, as you go to the king's table today, you're going to see crumbs around this table. As you walk past and over and through those crumbs, I want you to remember as you approach the table that you're unworthy to be here. That it's only by the grace of God. But I want you to also understand, you're not there to eat the crumbs. You're there to eat of the bounty of the grace of God. You're at the king's table. You might think you're a dead dog for just a dog. And you might just beg, Lord, you know, I know I don't, I'm not worthy for this. Just give me a few crumbs. And the Lord says, oh no, I'm not just going to give you a few crumbs. I'm giving you the whole meal. You're going to taste and eat of the body of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ. So as you go to the tables today, please remember that. As you walk past those crumbs, remember where you'd be without Jesus. As you take of the emblems, remember that you feast at the king's table. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table. But you are the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. Lord, have mercy on us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's keep reading about Jesus' trip to this area of the world. We go to the next story. sort of companion story here in Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went down to Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of Decapolis. It's about a 20-mile journey up the coast Jesus takes. There some people brought him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears, and he spit and touched the man's tongue. What an unusual scene here. What's going on here? Has Jesus become some kind of um, traveling faith healer? Oh, not hardly. He doesn't do it in front of the crowd. Here's a man that's deaf who has not been able to speak. Jesus kindly takes him to the side. Oh, watch Jesus doing all this mumbo jumbo of putting his fingers in his ears and putting spit on his trunk. What is that about? It's about Jesus saying, I want to communicate with this man. It's sign language. It's nonverbal communication. Here's a man who can't see, a man who can't speak, and Jesus saying, "Let let me let me communicate with you physically." Don't you love just the absolute kindness of Jesus? In verse thirty-three, after he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his finger in the man's ears and he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, "Epathethai," which means "be opened." At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Because this is a mighty miracle. Not only is the man able to see, but he's immediately, after all these years, given the gift of speech. It's an amazing scene. Now, some practical applications I want us to get as we look at these two stories this morning. First of all, just about sharing Jesus. Jesus. I think this lady and this man represent two different groups of people open to Jesus Christ. Number one, there are some who come on their own initiative. This woman, she chases Jesus down. She is so concerned with her daughter, she finds him. She forces herself. This man is brought to Jesus on others' initiative. That's number two. Some come on others' initiative. The man that comes, maybe he's hopeless by this point in his life, but his friends and his family, they're not hopeless, and so they bring him to Jesus. Guys, let me say to you today that people still come to Jesus the same way. Some people come on their own initiative. I had a young man, I don't even know this week how he got my cell phone, but after last Sunday he was touched and he called me up and he said, man, I, I've been out of church a long time, my life's not where it ought to be, and uh, I, I know I need to get right. Tell, I mean, he says to me, you tell me what to do. <laughs> I like this guy, all right? I said, there, there's, a, there's a small group that meets tonight at this house. Go to that small group. And he went. There's this class called Landmark 101 on Sunday, and he's coming. Now, he was seeking it out. There are other people who come to God, not on their own initiative, but because somebody else cared enough about them to go for them. We talked a lot last Sunday about our brother John Picken. I cannot tell you how God has been using his premature departure to really move a lot of lives. I could tell you so many stories. I want to read to you what a friend named Burt wrote about, about John. Burt works at Papa John's Pizza. He's invited to John's small group. He says, I moved to Montgomery almost two years ago and immediately began to look for a group of believers to grow with. I was very disappointed with everywhere I looked. And I want to elaborate beyond that. I work at a convenience store for a few hours a week for my second job. And a few months ago, I was just sitting there bored with not much hope in my entire being about finding a group I could relate to in Montgomery. All of a sudden, this guy named John Pickin comes walking to the door. He brings a couple of items to the counter, and within 30 seconds, he's telling me his testimony. In a matter of a few minutes later, he's telling me about this Bible study he goes to, telling me that I should really check it out. He gets my number not long afterwards, I finally find what I'm looking for. A group of guys choosing to go the narrow way and walk in the light. A group of guys that pull for each other, believe in each other, pray for each other, and seek God earnestly. Matthew twelve twenty says, A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. John may be the one reason I truly believe that verse is true. I was a smoldering wick, a dying flame that night John walked in my store and invited me to join his Bible study. Instead of being snuffed out my flame was rekindled in the spirit and the few conversations I've had with John the weeks after we met were a continuation of that flame I've missed only one meeting since I started the Bible study for good excuse Well, I was on the phone Thursday night telling a friend of mine to pray about John being missing. I Told her the same story about how I met John. I told her that when God sent him into my store I was ripe for the picking and it didn't even dawn on me until after I said those words that is John's actual last name. I will forever praise and thank God for John who will always remember his bold witness impact he had on my life. God's peace be with his family during this time. My friends, there are people out there who need Jesus who we've got to take the initiative with oh there are a few people that they're gonna they're gonna come find us but there are more people that we've got to take the initiative and I ask you this morning who are you taking the initiative with to to lead to Jesus who are you walking in that convenience store and saying something about the Lord who are you inviting to church who have you had a spiritual conversation with over the past week my friends we live in a lost world And we've got this incredible good news of Jesus. That yes, we're more wicked than we thought we were, but he's a whole lot better than we thought he was. And we've got to be sharing it. And I want you to notice here, when it came to these two people, that Jesus treated each one differently. With with this woman, he's almost abrasive. I mean, he's trying to to teach her to have strong faith, and he he comes on strong. You know, with this man, he's melt-in-your-mouth sweet. Why? Because He knew what this woman needed and He knew what this man needed. And this is what I want you to know about Jesus in your life today. He knows what you need. Some of you need just God to put His arm around you or His people to put an arm around you and tell you it's okay and we love you. Some of you need a good swift kick in the rear to say you need to wake up and follow God. I'm telling you, whatever you need in your life today, Jesus will give that to you. But here are two attitudes to close out. that will keep you from approaching and sharing Jesus. Either approaching Him or sharing Him. Number one, you can have a superiority complex and be too proud. There's so many people who know they're not right, know they need to get right with God, but they're too proud. That's what I love about this woman. She dishes all pride. Lord, if you want to call me a dog, call me a dog. Lord, I know I'm just worthy of the crumbs, but Lord, I want more than that. I want you. And many of us are held back because of a superiority complex. We're just too proud. And on the other hand, some of us are held back because of an inferiority complex. We're too self-absorbed. Where on this hand, I I don't want to embarrass myself. Over on this side, I I just think I'm too pitiful, you know. I, I, I know I'm not deserving and I don't really think God wants anything to do with me. Can these stories tell you that he does want something to do with you? Where you're thinking, you know, God's just not going to move. I'm telling you, God wants to move in your life. You say, well, in the past it didn't work. Why don't you be like this woman and keep on begging? And even when it comes to sharing Jesus, some of us are so stinking proud. We can't share Jesus with anybody because we come across as arrogant, judgmental, religious snobs. And nobody wants to hear our message. We've forgotten that we deserve the crumbs. And some of us, you know, you know, we're just so self-absorbed. We're so into our own pity and our own life that we don't even notice the people around you. Do you notice the problem with both of these options? They're both selfish. They're both self-centered where the selfishness comes out in arrogance and pride or the selfishness comes out of being so self-absorbed you don't even notice the people around you. Because when it comes to us being bold for God, we've got to get past that. You know what happens with this man and this woman is they decide it's not about them, it's about Jesus. Who cares about me? It's about Jesus. I just want to get to Jesus. And please notice this: in both stories, the Bible says they kept on begging. They kept on begging guys if you're going to be successful with god you have got to be persistent humble relentless you keep on begging we had a young man walk forward last week in second service he said i i I know i come forward way too much my goodness my friends that is not possible most of our problem is not that we come forward way too much our problem is we're too proud to come forward at all You guys, we've got this thing mixed up. We're begging people to serve God. Would you please come follow Jesus? I know your life is pretty good now, and it could be better, and he's got all these blessings for you. Would you come to our church, you know? We'll try not to offend you. Would you come in here? Oh, we'd love it if you'd stay for Bible study. Oh, if you'd get in a life group, wouldn't that be nice? Please sign up to serve in our children's ministry. We need some more. God it's sickening the way we're begging people to follow Jesus. It should not be a matter of us begging them to follow Jesus or God having to beg somebody. What it ought to be, if we understand the gospel, what it ought to be is us begging God for the privilege just to eat at his table. To just have the crumbs. We've got to get over our begging people and people we've got to see who Jesus is and we've got to beg him. And we've got to keep on begging. And let me, let me just say a moment. We have three services in this church. We have this service, we have the 360, we have a service in Birmingham. And let me tell you, the most open service in this church is over there. And I'm going to tell you why. Because a lot of those folks are getting off drugs. A lot of those folks are getting past their addictions. And they have lost their pride. And so every Sunday, man, it's flooded. And in here, I'm afraid, and some of you in Birmingham I'm afraid, our lives appear to be two together. And we've lost this sense of, man, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I don't care if someone speaks of. I I, I just got to find Jesus. I'm, I'm going to keep on. I, I know I'm not worthy, but he wants me at his table. And I want to challenge some of us, your life may look together. The people sitting beside you on the pew may think you're together. But the truth may be your marriage is falling apart. The truth may be you're not addicted to drugs, you're addicted to pornography. And nobody knows about it. The truth may be your life is falling apart and you're hurting. And sometimes you're, you're, you're too, either too self-absorbed about it or you're too proud about it to let anybody know. And the front row stays empty. So why don't you come today, why don't you say, I know I'm not worthy, I know I'm not worthy, but you invited me to the table. Please listen to me guys, on the cross the Son of God was cast away from the table. The Son of God was cast away from the family of God. He was cast away from fellowship with His Father. On the cross the Son of God became a dog. so that we could be adopted into his family and become the sons and daughters of God and eat the feast at the table. Do so you need to come to him. I mean, is it time to get your life right? Is it time to get over your pride? Why don't you come, man? Why, maybe it's time for you to become a Christian, be baptized today. Are you scared what some of may think? Or do you just want Jesus? He became nothing so that you could become something. If you need Him, don't hesitate. If you need the love of this church, if you need someone just to put their arm around you and tell you it's going to be okay, if you need a good kick in the pants, I don't know what you need, but if you need something today, why don't you come? Don't hesitate. Come right now while we stand and sing.